Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry at Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out the Living Room ATL on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. Chill fam, what's good? What's good? Hey, I'm just gonna say this before we dive in tonight, man. That was incredible, for real. I, I kind of wanted to just keep going. Um, there's someone in the room tonight who you don't believe those words that we just sang. The words that if I know one thing, our God is a deliverer, but I'm just gonna say this, that in a few weeks or in a few months at the end of this semester, I'm just believing this for someone that you're gonna be able to sing those words in full confidence and full truth. That in a couple of months, on November, mid-November, there's gonna be a night, we're gonna have some baptism nights coming up where people get to go public with their faith. And I'm just believing that someone's story is gonna come back to this moment and you're gonna say, Matt, I was that person in that moment that I did not believe that to be true, but everything changed at some point for me. And I'm just wanna say that tonight. God put that on my heart. I don't know who that's for, but there's gonna be someone who in a few weeks or a couple of months, that's gonna be your story. And that's why we do the living room. I want you to know that if you're in the room tonight, and you feel far from God, you're like, where am I? I want you to know you're in the safest place you possibly could be. The living room was designed with you in mind. It was designed for people who feel far from God so that you could go on a journey, a safe journey of discovering who Jesus is to you. So that's up top, um, I need to transition from there. I don't know how that's gonna happen, um, but hey, welcome to TLR. We're so excited you're here. My wife and daughter Willow is in the room. Willow's three years old. And man, can I just say, getting to see Willow watch y'all from the back, she looks up to y'all so much and I could not ask for better role models from my daughter and I have to stop talking about that right now, otherwise I'll start crying. But it's so great and Willow, welcome to the living room. This is like your first one you've ever been to that you like know what's going on. She's probably right now like, dad, dad. All right, what's up, Will? Okay, anyways, um, but hey, I'm so excited for tonight. And I'm just gonna jump in. Speaking of my daughter, Willow, we also have another daughter named Nomi. Nomi is three months old. Willow's almost three years old. And I just realized really over the, the weekend um, that in this season of my life, uh, consistently at the end of every day, my wife, Ann, and I look at each other and we think and say the same thing Sometimes out loud, sometimes just mentally, but we both kind of look at each other and we like take a deep breath. We're like, we made it. Like that's how we feel, right? Like we get to the end of the day after just having a full day with a three month old and a three year old. And we're like, how did we make it? But we're here and we're just both like, you wanna talk and hang out? And I'm like, not really. And she's like, good, me neither. I'm like, cool. Like, I'm, you go for a walk, I'll, we love each other, it's not that, it's just like we're so tired, you know? Um, and sometimes we do talk and hang out, but the reason is, and this just hit me, and some of you are like, Matt, like what'd you expect, bro? Like it's, it's, it's a newborn and a toddler, but it just hit me that they consume a lot, but they don't contribute very much. <laughs> like, and I'm grateful for them, I love them, like they're the joys of my life, okay? I'm not like, this is not like a counseling session, but they do not contribute very much. They don't contribute financially. Um, they, they, they don't clean up after themselves. They don't do chores. Like they just take, they just consume. Like they take a lot of my money, you know? Like just today, Willow's like, yo dad, I need some new Jordans. I'm like, no, you don't. You already got five pairs. You don't need another, you know, like they take, they consume, but that's what it means to be 
a newborn and a toddler, right? And my job, Ann's job, our job as parents, as know me and Willow grow up, is gonna be to teach them and to show them what it means to begin to contribute, to not just live as a consumer, but to start to contribute. And when you live as a consumer, come on, we know this to be true, like you take from other people. Like life is kind of just about you. you when you live as a consumer, you ultimately kind of start to usually eventually over time make a mess of whatever situation and environment you may find yourself in. Like when you're living in life through a consumeristic mentality, you usually drain other people. Like other people are like, man, it is kind of exhausting to be around this person for an extended period of time. When you live as a consumer, you are prone to quickly react. And when you live as a consumer, life is ultimately all about you. And here's the reality. It's okay to consume for a time. It's okay to consume for a season in your life. But at some point, you have to begin to make the shift from consumer to contributor. In fact, that's the title of my message tonight. If you're taking notes or if you want a title, the title of my message is from consumer to contributor. And the shift from consumer to contributor has maybe never been more challenging than it is for all of us today. And if you're like, Matt, why, why do you say that? Like, what, what do you mean it's never been more challenging, the shift from consumer to contributor? Here's what I mean. We live in a consumeristic society, do we not? Like everything in today's world is geared towards, it's marketed to the consumer. Like everything is somehow able to be customized to your exact preferences. When you want it, how you want it, no questions asked, right? And if you don't like it, you just take it back. Or if you're not enjoying it, then you just like stop, you quit it altogether. And come on, it's, it's one thing to, to like live as a consumer when it comes to certain things in life, like, I don't know, like, like Netflix, you know? Like it's okay to be a consumer on Netflix where you're like, ah, oh, I don't really want that show. I'm just gonna cut, yeah, that looks good. Ah, oh, I didn't really enjoy it. Oh, this one's awesome. I'm gonna watch like five seasons of this, you know? It's, it's one thing to, to be a consumer when it comes to food and like restaurants you go to. Like I do it all the time. I get on Yelp, I like read reviews, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay, like this place looks good. Oh, I don't know. Oh, they got like really good burritos here. I'm gonna go there, you know? It's one thing to be a consumer when it comes to like the clothes that you buy or the shoes that you wear. But come on, what, what, what about when it comes to like real life? What about when it comes to your friendships? If you approach friendships with the consumer mentality of I'm just in this friendship to just kind of get what I wanna get out of it. My guess is that friendship is not gonna last very long. It's not gonna go very deep. And if it does last a good while, it's probably gonna become really unhealthy. What if you're a consumer when it comes to your job? Well, that might be okay for a minute, but the moment like your manager or your boss tells you, hey, can you do this? And it's something that you don't really wanna do that you are not used to doing. You're gonna be like, no, that's not on my job description. Like you're gonna get quickly a bad attitude. You're gonna start to say things maybe like, uh, like I don't think they're appreciating me anymore. Like I'm, I'm out, you know, I've, I've been here for like a month and a half and haven't gotten a raise yet, you know? <laughs> what, if, what happens if you approach school with a consumer mentality? I would say that's okay for a minute. Like that's part of what it means to be a college student. Like you're supposed to consume as much knowledge as you can. But then at some point you're gonna be like, oh, I don't really feel like studying. I don't really wanna go to class today. I'm tired, I've got better things to do. You're probably not gonna do as well in school as you could have done. Have any of you ever had like a roommate that kind of takes, <laughs> you just shot your hand up. Like, I hope she's not sitting next to you. If she is, y'all can talk later. Um, but if you've had a roommate who's kind of like, a consumer, 
And that's the way they view this roommate situation. Like they're gonna eat your leftovers that are in your fridge. You're like, yo, what, that, that wasn't yours, you know? Like they're never gonna do the dishes. Yeah, some of you are like, yo, just keep preaching on that, bro. Like, just keep going. Come on, what happens if you approach a dating relationship as a consumer? We're gonna talk about this a lot more. Next week, we're beginning a brand new series on dating and love and relationships. It's gonna be awesome, you don't wanna miss it. But what happens if you approach dating that way? I'll tell you what happens. The relationship will not be healthy. Someone will end up really, really hurt. You'll have a whole list of regret piling up behind you. If you approach your physical health with just a consumer mindset, you're you're not gonna be as healthy as you could be. Come on, if you approach your faith with a consumeristic mentality, then guess what ends up happening? And listen, I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm speaking to myself here as well. A lot of us, when it comes to our faith, we approach it as consumers. And it's why we say, oh, I'm just church shopping. I'm just gonna go to this church and then this church. I really like the worship here. Oh, I really like the word here. The messages are really good. Man, this church, like it just gets me in my feels. Oh, there's really good photo ops at this church. It's kind of like the place to be. And I'm not saying that this is all bad. But what I am saying is when that's the way that you view your faith, just kind of like, oh, I'll do this, and then you just customize everything just how you want it. It's why some of us then start to wonder, okay, why does my faith seem like it's just service level? It's not going deeper. It's because you're just consuming everywhere and you're not actually plugging in and contributing anywhere. And so your faith can only go to a certain level. And come on, many of us, if we're being honest, have found ourselves stuck in a consumeristic way of thinking when it comes to just about everything in our life. And I just want you to know this, a consumeristic mindset can lead us to settle for less when we've been created for so much more. I'll prove it to you. We'll go to the very beginning, book of Genesis, first book of the Bible. God created heavens and the earth, everything we see. Then he created human beings. And look at what he says. He said, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So God said, hey, yes, I want you to enjoy everything that I've created for you to enjoy. It's for you. I want you to consume it. I want you to enjoy it. But you were not designed to solely consume. You were designed to contribute. God says, I'm gonna give you responsibilities because it's good for you to contribute. At some point, you have to make the shift from consumer to contributor. Uh, we'll, we'll go even a little bit further. The Gospel of Matthew, Matthew records this. I'm gonna kind of set the story up for you before we dive right in. Um, Jesus had been like traveling from place to place everywhere that he went. He did amazing things. He did these miracles. He had amazing teachings and people were following him. There was a crowd everywhere that he went. And Jesus was at this point in his, in his ministry where he had just found out this really, really d- tough news. One of his closest friends, John the Baptist, had just been killed. And Jesus' closest followers, his disciples come to him and they give him this news. And it says that Jesus went away to a solitary place. He needed some time. I imagine he was pretty emotional. But then the crowd found him. They found where he was and they showed up and Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion for the crowd and he began to heal. But then guess what happens? It starts to get a little bit later in the day and Jesus' disciples come to him and look at what they say to him in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. It says, as evening approached, 
The disciples came to him, they came to Jesus and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. So his disciples are like, hey Jesus, listen, you've done some amazing things today, like truly. Like we're, we're in awe once again. We, we, we can't even fathom what you just did, what's going on. But we're in like this remote village. Like remember Jesus, like you got away to the solitary place. And so now people are like, they're not even really sure where they are, but it's starting to get late, Jesus, and the people are getting hungry. We can tell, like, we gotta send them off, Jesus. They gotta go get some food because we didn't plan for this. And look at what Jesus says back. Jesus replied, they, they do not need to go away. You just give them something to eat. <laughs> so I imagine that the disciples were like, Jesus, like, I don't, I don't know if that's supposed to be funny. Jesus, you're not, you're not laughing. And he's like, no, it's because I'm, I'm being serious. So the disciples are like, all right, well, listen, Jesus, here's the deal. Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but verse 17, they said, we, we have only five loaves of bread and two small fish, they answered. They're like, we, we don't have what it takes, Jesus. Like, this is all we got. We got five loaves of bread, two small fish. I don't know if you can see this, Jesus, but there's thousands upon thousands of people here. This is not going to work. And look at what Jesus says. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. So Jesus is like, yo, bring it here to me. Bring me what you got. And then he says, hey, everybody, take a seat. We're not just gonna give you a snack. Like we want you to, to relax, enjoy yourself. You're about to get fed. That's essentially what he's saying when he tells the people to sit down on the grass. And it says, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. So Jesus breaks the bread, the fish, and he's like, here, Go distribute it to everybody and look what happens. It says, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. It's believed that between the men, women and children, there was probably about 15 to 20,000 people there that day. And there were leftovers. This is incredible. Like yes, Jesus had just, performed a miracle, but guess what? He invited his followers, he invited the disciples to participate. And in our world today, the Holy Spirit of God is at work and still working in amazing ways, still doing miraculous things today. But you and I are invited to participate. But you know what's gonna keep us from that? If we just settle to consume, because here's why consumers, you know this, consumers spectate. Consumers are content with just sitting back, kind of watching, getting involved, but not really kind of one foot in, one foot out. Consumers are much more prone to be critical of other people, to judge, to be like, you shouldn't do it that way. I would never do it like that. Consumers will kind of just sit back, but they'll never actually contribute. Consumers spectate, but contributors participate. Contributors say, hey, you know what? This might be uncomfortable, this could be hard, but I'm gonna like get in the game. Like, like I'm not just gonna be content to sit on the sidelines. No, 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 I'm gonna get involved. I'm gonna make a difference. I'm gonna use my gifts and talents to build the kingdom of God. Contributors are much less likely to criticize because they understand the struggle. They understand that it's not easy. Once you actually do step out and begin to contribute, guess what? You're gonna come up against some opposition. 
Consumers spectate, but contributors participate. And Jesus made it very, very clear that while he could have just came to the earth and he could have just consumed, he could have just told everyone who he is, like, yo, I'm God in a human body. Like, y'all just give me whatever I need. He could have done that, but he didn't. In fact, look at what Mark records in his gospel. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus says, hey, I didn't just come to consume. I came to contribute. I came to serve, not to be served. Our senior pastor here at Buckhead Church, Andy Stanley says it this way. He says, the value of a life is always measured by how much of it is given away. And I think oftentimes we tend to believe the opposite. Like we tend to think that our purpose, our significance in life is measured by how much we can accumulate, how much wealth we can accumulate, how many followers we can accumulate. But no, no, it's actually the opposite. The value of a life is always measured by how much of it is given away. Taylor fam, I, I wanna let you know that we're not called to be spiritual consumers, but rather spiritual contributors. Jesus used primarily 12 ordinary men to spread his message that would ultimately change the world forever and is still changing our world today. So the question that I just wanna ask you is what might he want to do through a few hundred college students? Here's what we're not gonna do. We're not just gonna sit back and consume when we can step out and contribute. And so yes, tonight I'm putting the challenge on the table to you. Are you a consumer? Are you a contributor? Again, I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm not trying to come at me. This is for myself too. Hey, Matt, are you a consumer? Are you gonna settle to just consume and to just receive and to be served by other people? Or are you gonna step up and step out, Matt, and be courageous and do what you know God's calling you to do and start to contribute and start to make a difference? And some of you believe that the reason that you're not going to contribute the way that you know you could or should is because you don't think you can. You feel like, Matt, Matt, listen, like you're going too fast, okay? I don't know any of the Bible, Matt. I'm not even sure if I believe all this. Like I'm that person that you were talking about earlier. I'm not sure that I, I even know who this Jesus is. Matt, 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 I'm just a college student. Like when I graduate, when I get a little bit older, like my parents, like my grandma, like my aunt or uncle, then I'll start to like contribute and make a difference. Can I just tell you, TLR, you are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. You're not the church of the future. You're the church of the present right here and right now. You can make a significant impact for the kingdom of God in this season of your life. So don't wait, don't miss out on this opportunity. And some of you are like, okay, Matt, I'm with you. So, so show me some opportunities. Like get, get practical with it. Okay, I will. Buckhead Church. Where we are right now, the living room is the college ministry of Buckhead Church. We have so many ways here at Buckhead Church that you can contribute, ways that you can get involved. And listen, I acknowledge that some of you are already contributing in amazing ways. I'm not coming at you like none of you are contributing. Some of you are serving and contributing in great ways. Others of you, it's time for you to start. And so here's just some opportunities I wanna quickly walk through. 
Wombolin. It's our ministry for six weeks through preschoolers. Every Sunday morning at nine and 11, hundreds of little kids come and they gather in Wombolin. Both of my daughters, Nomi and Willow, are currently in Wombolin. They absolutely love it. Wombolin teaches kids. It teaches kids that God loves them, God made them, and Jesus wants to be their best friend forever. And I'm telling you right now, Nomi, she's three months old, so she doesn't know what's going on. Willow comes home almost every single Sunday and she says, Dad, I wanna go back to Llama Lamb right now. She calls it Llama Lamb. We're working on it. And listen, I'm not saying that she's got like scripture memorized, that she's coming home and telling me about, you know, Jesus, all this, but she typically comes home and says something at some point that kind of makes a little bit of sense. I know she's soaking in these truths. And for some of you, you know you are great with little kids. God's put this passion on your heart. And for some of you, the way that you can step out and begin to contribute is in Wombaland. We move up, up street. Upstreet is for our elementary school kids. Every single Sunday morning, 9 and 11 a.m., there are hundreds, y'all, I'm not making this up, like four or 500 elementary age kids that are here. Upstreet does everything they can to make this hour the best hour of a week for an elementary age kid. Just a couple of weeks ago, I got to jump in and serve one week at Upstreet. And I was with fourth grade boys. And at the end of the hour, this fourth grade boy looked at me, I'm not making this up, and he's like, this was the best day of my life. And at first I was like, bro, you gotta live a little bit, you know? <laughs> but then I was like, you know what? It was pretty awesome. It was an incredible day. Like you got to jump around and sing songs. You met new friends. You had an amazing time. You walked away, you won this really cool prize. It was an incredible day. Some of you, this is the way you can step up and begin to con contribute. You can start to pour into the lives of some elementary age kids. Transit, yeah, what's up? It's our environment, it's our environment for middle schoolers. Transit does everything they can to help middle school students begin to develop a faith of their own. And come on, we, we know this. Middle school can be an awkward season of life. Whoo, amen. <laughs> but listen, listen. If you look at the statistics in middle school, it's startling. It's when anxiety begins to exponentially rise, depression, really, really dark, potentially even suicidal thoughts. And for some of you, you could step in and start to speak life and encouragement and truth to a middle school student. Every Sunday morning, hundreds of middle schoolers, nine and 11 gathering here at Buckhead Church. You could be a part of that. Inside Out, it's our high school ministry. It meets on Sunday nights. Yeah, what's up? Some of you, you were just in high school. I firmly believe that outside of the parents, that a college student can be the most influential person in the life of a high schooler. Why? Because you're in the next season of life that they're gearing up towards. I'm telling you, I've seen it happen. The moment you walk in the room, they're immediately gonna be like, wow, this person has clout. Wow, I wanna be like this person. Is clout still a word that we're saying? I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't planning on saying it. But listen, listen. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> for some of you, for some of you, you could be the role model that you wish you had when you were in high school. Or you could be that role model that you did have. 
And for some of you, Sunday nights here at Buckhead Church is where you need to be pouring into the lives of high schoolers. Couple more and I'll wrap this up. Guest services, Sunday mornings, for every single person that comes into the church, you never know what someone's carrying in with them. You could be a person who helps direct people in on the parking lot, who says hello when people walk into the doors. My dad, this was his story over 40 years ago. My dad was not following Jesus. Today, my dad is leading a thriving church in St. Louis, Missouri. Over 40 years ago, my dad didn't know who Jesus was. He came to church because my mom essentially made him. He walked into the doors and this lady, this old woman named Hazel Dowdy, Hazel Dowdy, I don't know why I paused between her name, but Hazel Dowdy, when he walked in, she said, I am so glad you're here. And my dad would tell you 40 years later that that was the moment where God began to work in his life. Some of you, that's the way you can step in and start to contribute. You can be on guest services teams every Sunday morning. Production, the last one I'll talk about. For some of you, you're like, man, how does all this happen? These lights and the cameras, I don't know what just happened. Well, you just, oh, what just happened? I don't don't even know, but it's cool. Um, For some of you, You're like, how does all this happen? The the answer is, I don't know. But you could find out (laughs) by being on a production team on Sunday mornings, by running a camera, by learning from some amazingly talented people. So listen, you have opportunities to contribute. At the end of the night here in just a few minutes, I'm gonna come up and give you a really, really easy way to take a step. But as we close, I, I wanna share a story. And it's gonna be tough for me to get through this. But over the summer, a few months ago, someone from the TLR family, someone who I love so, so much, passed away tragically. This is a picture of Monty Han. Monty was such an amazing young man. And I'll never forget when I met Monty a few years ago, when he had just stepped onto campus at Oglethorpe University, just a couple miles down the the street from Buckhead Church. Immediately, I knew there is something special about this kid. Immediately, he was like, Matt, how can I get involved? Matt, how can I begin to serve? Matt, how can I help out? I wanna reach my campus, Matt. I wanna tell others about the good news of Jesus. In fact, let me just roll this video for you. This was at an orientation at Oglethorpe that Monty helped us with. Check this out, just really quick, it's eight seconds. There he is. telling people about the living room, inviting them to come. Monty's mom is sitting in the front right here tonight. And right before the night started, she showed me a video of literally Monty saying the words, essentially in summary, the words life is about how much you can give away. Monty did that. Just a couple of months ago in June, we were in this room and I got to stand on this stage and help lead Monty's celebration of life service. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people sitting in these seats and person after person who came on this stage, person after person who I talked to said essentially the same thing in different ways through different stories. They said, man, Monty was always trying to encourage others, to build others up. He was always trying to pour life into other people. He never just thought it was about himself. He always wanted to contribute. What if we did the same? T 
TLR, I don't want this to just be another gathering that we come to and we come and we get fired up. No, I want us to go and make a massive difference in this city. We can do this. And so as we begin to close, I've asked the band to come back out and lead us in a song. And here's what I want you to do for these next few minutes. I want you to stay seated and I want you to just soak in these words. And I want you to ask yourself the question, whether you're a follower of Jesus tonight or not, I challenge you to ask yourself the question, God, would you make it clear to me what you want me to do, how you want me to contribute? And then would you say, God, and this is a dangerous prayer, God, would you give me the courage to do it? Would you give me the clarity to know what I need to do? And then God, would you give me the courage to do it? So Heavenly Father, you're so good. Every single person in this room has been uniquely wired with so many amazing gifts and talents. God, I pray for the person who does not believe that. Just right now, God, in these next few moments, would you just remind them, no, they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they have an amazing gift, an amazing opportunity to pour into, to, into the lives of other people. And so God, as we sing this song, there's a line in this song that just says, here I am, God, you can have it all, I'm available. And so Lord, I pray that you would just help us to have clarity to know what we need to do. And then in just a few minutes, God, even, would you give us the courage to take that step and do it? In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you want to stay connected, follow us on Instagram at the Living Room ATL. Remember, TLR fam, we love you, we're for you, and we'll see you next time.